0: Welcome to today's episode of the Hungry Trilobite Podcast. My name is Aaron Bossig, and I'm going to be your host. Today we're welcoming Dominic Burgess, a guy I got to know from his appearance on Star Trek Picard and from following him on Twitter. He posts a lot of great stuff, but I'll tell you, I was genuinely surprised by how much this guy really likes sci-fi on a personal level, and that's something we're going to get into in the conversation. Let's get started. On tap today, we have Dominic Burgess. How are you doing? Good day, good sir.
1: I'm good. Thank you so much for having me, Aaron.
0: I am glad to have you here. I, you came onto my radar when I saw a certain episode of Star Trek Picard.
1: Oh, and as if by magic, I, pr- I swear, I didn't I didn't pre-plan. Um, I was just so happy by happenstance, happened to be wearing my Star Trek Picard t-shirt. Well, I happen to love
0: that shirt, so I'm glad you're wearing it. Good... <laughs> So how did that go down? Because, I, I mean, I I don't want to focus totally on Picard, but I, I love the show. I, I love the performance, so
1: please give me a little on that. Yeah, I mean, um, I've been a Star Trek fan uh, since I was a teenager. I would come home from high school, and, and in England at the time, uh, BBC Two would show episodes of The Next Generation, and then Sky One would show episodes. Uh, so sometimes I would watch episodes back-to-back. Um, and I, I got into it, then, and I would, you know, watch episodes, and they'd be out of order, and BBC Two wouldn't be showing the same thing as Sky One, and I just enjoyed the show, and I uh, then got into the films, and I loved Khan and Such for Spark, and Voyage Home, and Undiscovered Country, and um, I I just, I I fell in love with uh, Star Trek in general. Uh, It wasn't until Voyager came around that I was able to sit down with the pilot and watch it as it aired week by week, chronologically, and see it all the way through to the finale. So in my heart, uh, Voyager is my uh, Trek show of choice. Even though I love them all, I love all Mm -hmm. Trek. Um, And then I moved to Los Angeles to um, continue my acting career. And when they announced that Picard was gonna come back, the first thing I did was pick up the phone and I was breathless on the phone to my manager, um, who's a wonderful, I I adore her. And uh, we have a very open relationship and I called and was like, oh my God, Patrick Stewart's coming back to Star Trek and I have to be on it. And she was like, all right, we'll, we'll see what we can find out. And um, we found out who was casting it. I wrote them a handwritten note. I went down to their office. I pulled every contact that I could. Uh, A wonderful casting director friend of mine, Jenny Treadwell, I was like, you've worked in this office before. What can I do? Um, And yeah, then this role came along that was very secretive. Everyone was very hush hush about it and I got the audition and I was spinning out normally you get an audition and you you sort of make a choice and you you say like great this is what I want to do and I'm going to go in but because the the audition material was so vague it just said you're an alien and then then I was sort of pacing the room saying well it's going to be very different if I'm a Klingon than if, if I'm a Cardassian, than if I'm a Ferengi, than if I'm this. And, if, um, and they told me that I was going to be a new alien. So it sort of gave me permission to do whatever I wanted, I guess. And I went in and uh, the casting process was wonderful. Uh, Liz Dean, I adore. And... I didn't feel like I had a good, a good audition. Uh, I, I walked away kicking myself, feeling like I hadn't done what I wanted to do. And then within two days, uh, they called and they said that I was the choice. And then there was lots of tears. And that's how, uh, that's how it came about.
0: I talked to a lot of actors from the show throughout the years. And I see almost they all fall into one of two categories. Uh-huh. There is the category that you fall into where they were a diehard fan and loved it and couldn't wait to get into it. And I, I see that a lot with the newer shows. And then you have the, the earlier shows where they were like, we got this call for this weird gig and we didn't know anything about it. And we rushed to buy the star Trek encyclopedia and read it to cover to cover. So what, when, when you're actually able to go in as a
1: fan, what's that like? Um, you know, I can see, I can see pros and cons for both going in as a fan you obviously have the knowledge and you know that there's going to be techno babble and you know that the world you know the world and you know you know it's sort of in your bones so you don't have to study up i already knew like oh my gosh yes i'm in the scene with Picard, and i know who he is and so i get what the flow of the scene would be like and i kind of get the pacing i mean it's different than than tng but then there's also Something to be said for not knowing the show, because when you're when you're a fan of something and you go in, the the pressure to do well or because you want it so much can sort of choke your audition because you ah oh, you're putting so much pressure on yourself and you've got to get these lines right because if you don't get it right you'll never be able to audition for the show ever again and another role might not come around. Um, but if you go in and you haven't seen the show, then you know that pressure is off. Then it's just another audition, and you can go and be free and enjoy yourself. Um, so there's pros and cons to to both of those both of those things. You know, um, if I was to to go and audition for uh, Grey's Anatomy, for example. Um, I know the show is so popular but I I haven't seen anything of it since season 3 and so I could go in and, and not have any pressure on myself whereas I have friends that are like oh my god I've seen all 17 seasons and I love it so much and I want to be on the show um and so yeah it it it, it depends
0: so I, I I definitely see your point there um but looking at that and and like I said you're you're building yourself up and you you managed to maintain a relative cool from your story there?
1: In the audition, yeah. I, I mean, actually, all the way through, I was very professional on this production. Um, not that I'm not professional on other productions. I'll get into that. Um, but, yeah, you know, I, I've been acting now for 16 years. And um, I met Patrick and I, I met uh, Jonathan Frakes, who was the director of the episode. And when I first met him, he flung his arms open and said welcome to the family and it was it was such a warm encouraging fun environment uh and in those environments i I do my best work um but in terms of uh you know freaking out I, i have worked on shows where i've been a big fan of the show before working on it um I'm talking about uh, Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I was a big big fan of and I got to work on that show and I really was giddy when I worked on on that I worked on that show as a character called Psycho Pete and I was so excited and I just I wanted them to know how much I I loved the show and I would ask silly questions that I already knew the answers to that you know in hindsight were embarrassing for me because I knew I knew already and so I'd sit there and I'd be like wait a minute you guys write this show too that's crazy and I already knew that they did and I um but you know when you're a fan it, sometimes it's it's hard you know I I love shows and I love actors and I'm sure if I met Gillian Anderson I'd be like whoa Gillian Anderson or you know kate Blanchard any of these actors that i I love and respect that work um it it's it's hard. we're human, everyone's human. I'm sure you have people that if if you were to meet that you know I've gotten better about it uh-huh but a couple times
0: out i I yeah didn't fare so well,
1: yeah, and you know now i now not that it's expected, but now I go on to projects and I know that I'm gonna be working with certain people and you know it's it's very much now a job and it's a profession and it's a business and that's what I feel like I'm digging a hole. That's what sunny in Philadelphia was. I was just so excited to be there and the role was so much fun um, and yeah, <laughs> that was that.
0: Well, when you said that you, you've know, been acting for 16 years, that's kind of the direction I was taking that, is this wasn't your first rodeo. Oh, no, not at all. And Star Trek a- as a whole tends to grab very skilled, talented, experienced actors for a reason, because this is not your typical part. So they need a very broad range of talents there.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm very lucky. When my manager submitted for, for the role... You know i think they were looking for someone that was comfortable working in prosthetics and i had been working on a show called the magicians where i was in six hours of prosthetics uh every day for for that role um and i you know they were looking for a big guy and someone that could do an american accent and so i i ticked i guess all the criteria and you know i guess not what took it over the top but i I had written this handwritten note to the casting director and I had said, oh my goodness, it would just mean the world for me just to be able to audition for this show. Um, I auditioned a couple of years ago, more than a couple of years ago now. Um, I was a big fan of the X-Files growing up. And when the revival series came around, I had an opportunity to audition for that show too. And just to audition for it was enough to fulfill my geek dreams, to be able to take a picture of the X-Files logo in the casting room and be like, ah, X-Files. I feel like I'm involved in in my childhood uh, dreams. So, yeah, that was nice. I went off on a tangent. I'm sorry.
0: No, no, we're all about the tangents here. That's that's totally fine. But if you're saying... I'm loving the fact that I'm sitting here and you're saying you're fulfilling your geek dream about multiple properties. It wasn't just Star Trek. Now we're getting into other stuff, too. And I'm like this. There's something to this. It's like you. there's this drive to get involved. There's this drive to like something so much that you
1: want to get into it. Yeah, I mean, you know, gr- growing up, like I said, I, I watched uh X-Files and Buffy and Star Trek, Twin Peaks. Uh, one of the, the reasons that I wanted to move to America to work was because I enjoyed um, American television and American program, American film. Um, and so pretty much I graduated from drama school in summer of 2004 and within eighteen months, I think I had my visa to come and work in the States. Maybe it was a little longer than that. Maybe I first put out the feelers. But uh, Thanksgiving Day, two thousand and seven, I moved to uh, Los Angeles, and that was always that was always something that I had wanted to do was come and work in Los Angeles. And you know, there are other shows I hope that 24 comes back and I can work on 24 and I hope to in some form or another, uh, that Battlestar Galactica comes around again. And uh, of course, Star Wars and that universe is expanding. So there are all these things that I love as a fan that, yeah, I would love to be involved in just because it feel it fulfills, you know, my, my childhood dreams, but I, I just love acting in general. So anytime I'm on set at all, it's uh, it's always a joy for me. And I mean,
0: I, I, I before. I don't want to put words in your mouth. Why do you really love acting? I guess I should ask that.
1: Um, gosh, I, I love storytelling. I love film. I love I love watching film and being immersed in different worlds and I love that it's collaborative that you get to work with different people all the time and you learn new skills or new accents and you get to to study you know different time periods or or things that you wouldn't ordinarily get to to know about I I, a big part of of acting for me is is research and knowledge and and so I enjoy that and especially with with television you know you're working on a new script all the time and so I mean I'm speaking personally for me monotony has never set in on anything that I'm doing and and I'm sure a part of that is you know, sometimes the work is so sporadic, but you're working for eight days on one show and then you go without work for two months and then you're working for three days on another show and then bouncing to another show and then on to something else and it's it's very nomadic and and so it sort of keeps you on your your toes. i'm I'm fortunate enough uh, right now be working on a show for four months, which is um, possibly the longest guaranteed stint of work that I've done uh, since I've left drama school. Um, and so it's odd in a way uh, because normally I'll be on a job and I'll be working on the job but be looking for what's next and be auditioning for for whatever's next and and so right now it's odd that I'm here and I can't audition for anything else sort of until next February and so it's it's a very odd feeling but it's it's also lovely to just be able to sit back and enjoy the work without my mind going to other places and thinking about what's next. It's all very new. Everything always feels very new, which I, I love. I mean, you're
0: sitting back talking about the this being on the set of Always Sunny, and you're, you're really, you're into it almost too much, but it's like that, you're just experiencing the, the joy of acting, of, of getting into the
1: project, and I don't think
0: anybody could hold that
1: against you. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, I was I was just such a big fan of them and the work that they do. And I've subsequently, you know, I I've run into Charlie Day and I've run into Caitlin and, and Rob. And when I saw Caitlin and Rob, I, I said, like, oh, my gosh, guys, when I did Sonny, I was so hyped up and nervous and wanted to impress. And they were so nice and they were like, oh my gosh, no, we get it. And um so you know, I've had a chance to talk to them afterwards. Um and I'm sure they've had instances. Everyone has instances mm-hmm. you know, where they pinch themselves and they can't believe that they get to do what they're doing. And that's 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 what it is. Is I, I'm even on I mean, we can't do it right now because of COVID, but I I'm the kind of actor that when I'm on set, I enjoy talking to everyone and I go and I sit in Video Village behind the monitors and I watch and I ask questions. And I ask the the script supervisor like, oh, what is that for? What are those lines that you're making in the script? And then I'll ask the the DP like, oh, what does this mean on your little monitor there? Oh, is that, is that a new thing? I've never seen that before. And um, I feel like a sponge that I just, I, I wanna absorb everything I, I can and as much as possible, um, I do my due diligence and I I leave my phone in my trailer and I just want to, I just want to sort of be in the moment of it all.
0: Well, there's a lot to be said for being the sponge because you never know which one of those nuggets of information might pay off having five, six years down the road.
1: Yeah. You know, um, I've, I've subsequently branched out into, into writing and directing and, when when you're on set and you're talking to these people and you're talking to uh the makeup department and the wardrobe department they have a very nomadic existence too a lot of the time where they have hiatus and they're looking for other projects to work on and you talk to the second camera ac who might want to be a dp or might want to produce or might want to direct and so you know, it's it's not networking, but it's it's building a network of people who you know in the industry that, that I could say, Oh my gosh, I loved working with the director of, of that episode of Sunny in Philadelphia so much, and I have a pilot that I've written that I would like to get off the ground. Let me reach out to him and see if he has any interest in, you know, working on this or whatever it is. Um, but not not for nefarious intentions it's just i just like meeting people who love film and and television and and love what they do as well and you can tell in the the final product of things
0: Mm -hmm. well i mean i've you and i have both met a lot of really really great people in the industry Mm -hmm. and we've met some people who fall into the other category Mm -hmm. and and you you want to there's no like there's no yelp for knowing who to work with and who not to accept to have those conversations and, and yeah. you want to work with the good people if you can
1: of course you know i've had those experiences too i i will say 95 percent of my experiences in my in my professional 16 years of of doing this 95 percent of people are wonderful and warm and welcoming and yes there are unpleasant experiences. Um I'll tell I'll tell you a story, but one of my very first jobs in Los Angeles, and again, you know, I was new to Los Angeles and I was like I'm excited for any job. Um when you're a guest actor, you sort of turn up to every set like you're the new kid at school. Um, you know, the series regulars are there and you're coming in as a guest and um, so you 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 take your cue from the people around you and sometimes you go in and it's a professional set and everyone is sort of keeping to yourself, themselves and you know, okay, this is a job where I, I know my lines, I know my stuff, I'm going to say my stuff, I'm going to go back to my trailer, I'm going to go home. It's a job, it's professional. Um, there are jobs like Picard where they're so warm and inviting and welcoming and it's it's a dream because it just feels like a vacation while you're there and everyone's collaborating and asking questions and asking for your input and, and it's divine. Um, and then there are other jobs where you go in and you feel the atmosphere and you know that, okay, this is, I'm just going to sit in my corner. and I'm not going to say a word. Um, and one of my first experiences here, I, was on set i'm very good at being able to read a room and know when or when not to talk and um you know we were sitting around in our cast chairs um and we were filming on location and so it was like this office space and we were in a cubicle and all the cast chairs were there and one of the series regulars who shall remain nameless for all time um he or she um, was just looking in their phone and they mentioned something to someone else and i heard a british accent and so you know when you're you're a brit living abroad and you hear an, an accent you sort of say like oh where are you from um and they did not take that very well at all they did not like being asked which part of england they were from uh and then we uh, an ad came along and we went and we shot the scene and then they were turning the world around the chaining the setup of the lenses and we came back to where the cast chairs were and my chair had been moved all like out of the the cast holding room into its own little bullpen and the ad was like, yeah you you can't you can't talk to this So I was Whoa. like, oh my goodness." Well I've been ostracized for for asking where someone was from, and it was so it was so jarring, um because I feel like on set um uh, I feel like I'm an open book and anyone can talk to me and regardless of of where I am on the call sheet, uh, yeah, so it was very odd. but that's a very it's a very rare circumstance. Yeah. Well,
0: I hope it is, but at that point it just becomes we're getting out of the realm of being adults and we're acting like we're in a high school and this is the cool kids table. Mm-hmm. And I just can't imagine people can't get past that mentality at
1: some point. It's it's odd. And you know like I was there for I think two, I was I there for 2 days on that job. Um and it wasn't a very big role, but also, you know, like I was saying, I have the 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 tenacity to know. Well, it's it's not a very heavy scene. It's there's nothing emotionally draining going on. Uh, they were looking in their phone. They were talking with the other people in the in the cast chairs. So I didn't feel like it was being intrusive. Um, and you know, you come away and you think, well. I mean, I was upset at the time, but now it's them and it's not me. It's whatever issues they have going on, Mm -hmm. that is their problem. I hope that when they went and they spoke to the AD and they were like, get that guy out of the cast room, that they got whatever thrill they needed to get out of there, Um, that, yeah but it is what it is. There are, it is what it is. You know, I can't change anything about it. All I can do is, as I move forward in my career and I'm, you know, fortunate enough to to be in productions that are, are larger and my role might be larger and I might be higher up the call sheet, is just remembering those instances where, you know, you feel a little like, oh, I don't know if I'm welcome here and making sure that the people that I work with know that they're welcome and you get the best work out of people when people feel safe and welcome and, and, um, able to make mistakes or try something and say, Hey, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to try something a little crazy here without, you know, feeling this, this pressure cooker of people giving you evil eyes. Um, it's a learning experience. Yeah, plenty too, even though it's negative.
0: Well, I mean, it's it's good to be able to grab something like that and, and pull the most positive stuff out of it you possibly can from what's is superficially a negative experience.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there, you know, there there've been plenty of negative experiences in my career and you know, things that you audition for and and you don't get or stuff that you really want to book and it breaks your heart. Um, and then, you know, you come away wounded, but you, you have to, you have to get back on the horse and you have to keep going. Uh, I I mean, I give myself, I'm going to sound like Jack from lost now, uh, where he has the five seconds to be scared while he, before he sews someone back up again, um, you know, there have been jobs that I've really, really wanted and gotten really, really close to, and then you don't get. And then I'll give myself a day. I'll give myself the rest of the day. And, oh, boy, I'll go to town on some Haagen-Dazs ice cream, and I'll watch Fellowship of the Ring, or I'll, I'll do serious self-care for the day. And then the next morning, you get up, and you've got to get back on the horse and do it all over again and get your heart broken all over again but that you know that's acting you you have to give everything in your auditions and and you know swing for the fences and and be willing to to get hurt i guess i'm making it sound very very terrible but it's not i love it it's
0: not but i i was actually uh discussing just the, the the basics of podcasting with somebody last week and had almost the exact same conversation saying well what should i do when can i get started and i said you get started now Uh uh-huh pop a microphone you record you get it out there and you're going to make those mistakes and that's okay
1: but the only mistake you can't correct is not starting in the first place yeah you know uh, same with with acting there have been people that i have met oh no in my life and uh family so many people's families uh, Will tell them not to get into acting, to, to do a serious job, to have a backup plan, to do something sensible. Uh, my high school, I, I went to my career advisor um, before university and said that I wanted to go to drama school. And they flat out said, Oh, I can't help you. Can't help you with that. And, you know, overcoming what other people think you should do or what you should be doing or even within you know the 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 sphere of entertainment, the the notion that you should stay in your lane that actors should act and that you can't write and that you shouldn't direct and that you know I, I think all of that stuff is nonsense. If you want to be creative and you want to write something you want to direct something then you go and you do it and yeah, you learn, you learn as you go.
0: I, I can't tell you how often you hear about somebody who says that they, they became a great director because they knew what it was like to work with actors. They became a great writer because they, they knew what it was like to actually have to read the lines aloud. I mean, it uh-huh. it, it doesn't – that never made sense to me that you're supposed to stay in your lane, even though, like you said, you hear it all the time.
1: Yeah. Um, you know, I, I got my visa to work in America, and I went to my U.K. agents at the time, and I said, hey, I got my – my three-year visa to go and work in the States, and even their mentality was very much like, oh, that's nice. Love. You're gonna go to America, you're gonna go be a star. Oh, that's nice. All right, well, we'll see you in three months. And that that sort of stuff fuels me. And I've been I've knocked on agents' door, literally knocked on agents' doors and and sat down with agents and had them tell me like oh you know we think you're very talented we just don't know what you could possibly be cast as because you're so unique and it's it's unfathomable to me um, that that people can put you into to boxes like that I'm I've been very fortunate in my career at least that I have never been pigeonholed into one genre, or comedy, or drama, or, you know, I've, I've played the gamut of, of different roles, and I'm so fortunate, um, because, yeah, uh, stereotypes and, and being boxed in drives me insane. And you're absolutely right to say that, you know, actors go on and make great directors. Um, two of the directors on the show that I'm on right now had their start as actors, and Jonathan Frakes obviously had a start as an actor on TNG, and Roxanne Dawson, who I worked with on Agents of Shield, started in Voyager, and Robert Duncan McNeil is doing it now. And you know artists expand and they grow and they learn and they ask questions and and why not do everything? If you enjoy it and you're good at doing it, then yeah. I'm also
0: a, a big proponent of, of having a, a, a hand in several different areas and in several different industries even if you could I don't really see the necessary to make a distinction between being creative and being skilled at a more traditional career and, uh-huh. and I, I definitely because be, you know when you are an actor you may have to have a you know, strong business sense you may have to get into uh, technology in order to fund some of your own projects in some uh-huh. cases
1: yeah I mean I I wanted to I've always enjoyed writing and I wanted to get into directing because I just, I love storytelling and film as an art. Um, And I just, I didn't want to wait for the phone to ring anymore for auditions and for people to say, hey, we've got an audition for you. And maybe they come along every three weeks, every four weeks, however often they come along. And just taking the initiative into your own hand and creating something for yourself is, is very fulfilling. And I, um, when I'm not acting, uh, now I, I teach uh, at a, a studio called the BB, uh, the BGB studio um, in North Hollywood. And I'll teach improv and acting and, and writing. And, and that's so fulfilling. I, I love it so much. And, you know, I've had my day jobs when I was in London I worked at HMV and a lettings agent and I moved to America and I worked for a very hot minute at Blockbuster Video uh, before I quit after three weeks and I worked at Universal Studios and in their food department for three weeks and I worked at a a movie theater and I've done done so many day jobs to support uh, acting and to Sustain, sustain myself, um, sustain myself, I'm so sorry, I'm slurring all my words, um, you know, you do what you have to do to, to to do the job that you love and to to make sure that you can keep doing it. I think, you know, uh, uh, something that a lot of actors can fall into is thinking that they're going to put 100% of their energy into acting and you have to you have to be able to financially support yourself to be able to do it, um, especially initially. Um, that that you'll you'll dry up. Um, yeah, it's it's tough, but I again I love it. I I don't want
0: to jinx things, but it would be irresponsible of me if I didn't at least bring this up to to start wrapping things up here. Yeah, uh, you you. you thumbed your nose at the idea of being typecast because you, you really have had a broad range of roles oh. and yet you are stoked about being involved in a series that is known for typecasting does that weigh on your mind at all or are you still just stoked to a bit on Star Trek that it's like hey why not oh
1: you th- wait hold on let's talk about it um okay. you think that that Star Trek is um typecast or you think I'm saying a lot of the
0: actors have in the past complained about being typecast and that Uh it's just, it's known to be, it's like people have said, well, it's great that you're on Star Trek, but you might never be on anything else.
1: Huh. I, I feel like maybe that goes more for maybe the series regulars. I don't think, I don't think that comes in when you're a guest actor and you're just popping in for a week or two weeks or a guest arc. I don't think that's that's something that you have to worry about. And also, I feel like that is a dated mentality. Too. I would hope so. I feel like that is a bygone era from the 80s and the 90s that goes hand in hand with, oh, that's a television actor, that's a film actor, and the streams don't cross. It's a Ghostbusters reference, um, <laughs> but uh, but now I think that's all gone out of the window, you know. And and now I think no one is going to tell Doug Jones that he can't go and do another creature film on another production. He's like he's had a wonderful career, and he's going to go off and and do other wonderful things and. You know, so many of these actors have gone, whether it's directing or or other roles, um, maybe they don't get the notoriety that they got on Star Trek because, you know, that's that's like a seven-year dream job. But I don't think so anymore. And I wouldn't personally worry about it. Like, if, if an actor is working and hustling and trying to find work if they turn down a you know a seven-year contract because they're worried about being typecast I don't know that seems a little you know I can only speak for myself that seems a little crazy to me but I also know that for myself I'm always looking for other things to do I'm always looking for something to write or something to direct or something or what the next job is, which is why I said it's so odd for me now in this four-month stint to to not be looking for other work. But, you know, if a traditional series runs for six months, then I'd want to know what else I can be doing in those other six months that is radically different from the show that I'm on. I rambled, but... I want you to ramble. That's... that's... You know... actors are the the masters of their own ships and i'm learning that more and more and more as, as i i grow as an actor the when you first leave drama school or you, f- you first get into the industry i feel like uh, we make ourselves small and we want to please and we want to know oh what do you want what do you want from this audition tell me what i can do and i'll i'll do it and and then you can book me on the job and what do you want on set and we learn and we grow, and now I go into auditions saying, hey, I've prepared what I'm going to prepare. I'm going to bring it in. And if you like it, you like it. And if you don't like it, that's okay. I'm going to walk away and I'm going to book something else somewhere else. I'm just going to do the best I can in, in the room. This is my interpretation. Are you looking for apples? I bought you oranges. And next time you're looking for oranges, you come to me. Um, yeah, super tangent. well no i
0: love the perspective and you're right i mean in this day and age everybody in any industry has to master their own ship the only difference is whether they realize it or not
1: yeah yeah you know um I, i certainly fell into that trap of going into auditions when i was first starting out especially in london i would be lucky if i had an audition maybe once every four or five months and so this pressure comes down on you that oh man this might be the only audition that I get for a year that this, Oh man, I might not get another audition ever again for the rest of my life. And so I've got to book this audition and you, you wind yourself up in, into knots, um, trying to get it right or trying to guess what they want in the room instead of just going in and, and giving them what you want to give them.
0: Well, normally to try to wrap things up, I would ask, you know, what are you working on next at, but, since you probably don't know, given circumstances around where can people keep tabs on you and know where you're going from here?
1: Uh, Yeah, I am uh, on Twitter at Dominic Burgess. uh, And I think I'm on Instagram at Dominic Burgess one. And then I'm popping up in an Amazon show next year called uh, them covenant and uh, a feature film called uh, breaking news in Yuba County And then further down the line, uh, Dr. Death, which is what I'm working on right now. So things rolling along.
0: Good to know. Good to know. I would love to check those out. And I would love to talk back to you anytime because I am having a lot of fun here. And you're a fun guy. And and we have a lot of stuff we could hash out if uh, we were into sci-fi, as much as you say you are.
1: Oh, I am. Let's talk about it.
0: Yeah, let's do that. Okay, so uh, but for now, have yourself a good night.
1: Yeah, you too. Thanks so much, sir.
0: I would like to thank Dominic for being my guest today, and I would like to thank you for listening. For the community-building part of the show today, and I remind you, my community-building tips are things we use to grow the show, but that cost you, the listener, nothing and take less than five minutes of your time. My ask would be, if you have listened to an episode of this show you liked, and the guest on that show is on social media, whether that be Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, Go ahead and follow them, and if possible, just say, Hey, thanks for being on Hungry Trilobite. I liked your appearance. And let's talk about that, because the great thing about these shows is we can create a conversation about the stuff the guest does on the show, and the first step to that is just reaching out to them. Don't forget, you can subscribe to this show at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, YouTube, YouTube, and we are syndicated on Realm of the Mist, a fantastic podcast network. Thanks so much, and we'll see you next time.